0: Jeff Cameron Show on a Ballswick Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Rivalry Week, Florida State-Miami. Leonard Hamilton, last hour. If you missed to go back, get that uh, interview for yourself. It was good. It was good to catch up with Coach. Uh, and, by the way, on Twitter, it's at Show. Got a lot of stuff coming for you this week in terms of content. We'll do the War Chant Report coming up uh, later today. I'm going to be with Irish Chaffel doing that. As on, I do believe. And uh, I look forward to it. Uh, any chance to to talk Florida State-Miami. We'll have a chance on Friday to talk with Lee Sterling and Paramount Sports as well, um, get his thoughts. Everybody is efforting at this point to figure out yay or nay on Mr. Van Dyke, whether or not he's going to play for them or not. Uh, obviously, it's uh, I, I think it's very important for, for Miami that he does play. If he cannot, I think this is a... Real uphill battle for them. It already is, even if he does play. I think Forest State's still the better team. But without him, I think it's uh, hard to find a path without Florida State uh, kind of kicking the ball around and doing some stupid things. A lot. Which, which like they a- could. Frequently.
1: It's not once or twice. It would take five or six offenses. But, you know, we've done that before. Yeah, so
0: So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Corey writes in the chat, I'll answer a question here or two real quick. Is FSU's defensive line top five when healthy against the run overall? uh, Or against the run, question mark, overall, overall? No and no. No. They are not. Uh, Are they they formidable in the ACC? Uh, Are they a good defensive line if uh, everybody's healthy? I think so. I think so. Good enough. Good enough for what remains on the schedule. Uh, top five in the country? Uh, no. God, no.
1: I'd say they could be top 20, but that's not top five. Not the same thing. Not even close. It's just that they're not even close to healthy either. I mean, you know, there are some guys, and, and Coach Norvell said this Yeah, playing through things now. That they're just going to have to. They're just going to have to through the end of the year.
0: Well, the guy that's probably, I think, had to deal with the most of it besides Fabian Lovett, who outright missed a ton of games, has been Big Coop, man. I think that we saw him in the spring and again in the fall. We thought, you know, his camp broke. That was a guy that was going to have a big year. He's got limitations. He's not a first-round draft pick or anything like that, but he's a guy that can really uh, control the line of scrimmage and be explosive in and, and, and his pad level uh, when low is a lot to deal with because he's so – um dense he's a big big guy uh, but he's had to deal with some things this year and it's kind of made him for lack of a better term one-armed and i think that he's been a shell of himself from the guy we saw coming out of camp this is an example without getting into depth with all the different guys of guys playing through things football's a game that requires you to do that i do think we get into a broader discussion uh, of modern-day practices and modern-day football. There's a lot of good in the way that coaches have adapted to the medical. They have figured out what does and does not work and some of the antiquated methodologies of coaches of yesteryear now would be laughed out the room because you were actually doing more damage to your players than uh, than preparation, than, um, than toughening up. But I also think there is a whole lot of weakening, too, in the amount of the lack of hitting. I, I think hurts guys. There's not enough intense hitting. I think that there ought to be more periods of of it. I think too many guys take too many days off and time off. Um, but that's just the byproduct of, of, of modern football. So, bottom line is you know, I, I think that the definition of toughness anymore I'm not talking about any one player that's been banged up for us or anything like that. It, it, the goalposts have shifted a little bit there um, and and from era to era. And, and that's, you know, it's hard to get guys you can't like go back and try to acclimate. You can't like say, oh, you know what maybe we should have done more hitting. Maybe we needed, you know Florida State's had less depth than their opponents the last couple of years. And it's really been a situation where when they lost guys in in segment groups, if they lost a starter, they did not have a plus player to supplant the guy that went out. They had a guy that could fill a role, but they weren't a plus player. They were just filling a role. They were, as they say, just a jag, just another guy, right? This year's version of Florida State's line of scrimmage, offensive and defense, has shown you the absolute success of this coaching staff in teaching, coaching up, and convincing transfer portal players to come and raising the floor a depth of talent. So that's the only way you explain being able to run consistently and even dominate at times the line of scrimmage against a number of teams despite having lost starters on this offensive line two of which basically have been gone for the entirety of the season, never getting a chance to play in a meaningful game. I mean, if you think back on it now, Bless Harris didn't play in a meaningful game. He played in a game against a high school team. So that sucks, right? You lose that guy. He's your starter. Prior to that, you lost Caden Lyles before the year even began. You've had injuries up front where guys either miss time or are playing through injuries, and yet – because you were smart enough to go out and get a Demetri Emanuel and because you've been able to stockpile some players and also develop others and get stronger, you could withstand those losses and still be effective. Defensively this year, I think that kind of speaks to the same thing. You lost your best defensive tackle. Fabian Lovett, unquestionably your best defensive tackle. Though, so like The one guy we all thought, like, you don't lose him. You can lose a couple other guys. We don't want anybody to get hurt, but if, you, if somebody does because it's football – Let it not be him. We did lose him, and yet you're in a position to be pretty effective most days up front because you've gotten better, you've gotten stronger, you've taught it well, and you've also got out, you went out and brought in some quality players.
1: That's the biggest feather in the cap for this coaching staff, is if you said on November 1st or November 2nd that, these are the guys that were going to miss time. Fabian, no Bless Harris, no Caden Lyles. Robert Scott's going to miss several games, right? And you, you go down that list because there's a lot of dudes that missed a lot of time mm-hmm. that were really important. And you add the guys that were not 100%. And you said, what's their record? You know, this is an August 15th. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Three and five. You'd be worried about two it. Two yeah. and six. You'd be really worried about the it. The yeah. biggest feather in the cap for this coaching staff is not only are they five and three, you feel like they're cheated. They cheated themselves to not be 6-2 and two in that situation. So what does that speak to? What you're talking about? Development, fostering depth where there felt like there was none before the season started, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just outright coaching it up and putting them in a position to not only be ahead on the scoreboard in some of these games by smoke and mirrors, but by merit, by winning the line of scrimmage. This isn't one of those deals with all these injuries that smoke and mirrors puts you in a position to win games you shouldn't win. Yeah, yards per play wise, we're doing just fine this season. Dominate a lot of yards
0: per play, even in losses, we were better in yards per play against Wake and Clemson, and you know you really had opportunities there. It, it is frustrating when you lose games like that. That speaks to the situational failures, but
1: um, and, and it's. It, and it, G- I was going, going to say it's, it's for different reasons than last year because last yeah. year your yards per play could be hidden through three explosives that go for sixty plus yards on the ground like a Jay Sean Corbin run. There's another Trey for forty yards and it, it inflates the number. Mm-hmm. But we talked about it this season. Wouldn't it be nice to be in second and five every once in a while? You know, instead, you know, it's nice to put twenty one points on the board in two and a half quarters of play when you have a couple explosive plays. That's fine. Like we'll take it. We're not going to give it back. Right, right, right. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to control the ball? and get into second and six and be ahead of the chains, they've done a very good job of that this year.
0: Yeah, and I think that what you're seeing is the molding of an identity moving forward for the program. So I I think as he gets better players in here and they continue to create depth, they're not going to go away from these core principles of running the football as their methodology. Now listen, right now where they're weak in Everybody who watches this team knows it. It's why they kind of have to engineer some of the things that they do or why they attempt to. They're fine, and you just said it, running between the 20s. But when the field gets condensed, they don't have the requisite strength, size, or talent to be able to bully people consistently when it's packed up close like that. Um, Not everybody does. I mean, I would look around the country and tell you that that is frequently the case that the numbers and the math changes because obviously they're not worried about getting beat vertically. They're not worried teams aren't defensively about worried about getting beat over the top. They don't have to play you honest at all. In fact, the opposite is true. Now I need my tight ends to come in and make a difference, and they don't. This group doesn't. But as you get better there and you get stronger up front, which the backups to these starters are no doubt getting, we're ha- not having to rush freshmen out there right now, even if I make the argument that Julian Armella is capable of playing right now, clearly they're trying to get through the season and not have to play him as a starter. That's fine if you can do it. If you go 9-3 and three and not have to do it, great, man, great. Well, I'll tell you what. Everybody's allowed to get bigger and stronger and seasoned and indoctrinated into the philosophy, and both schematically and then also in terms of preparation that Coach Atkins wants. All these things. You're building towards a team that is going to have this mentality that we can run on anybody, that we, we can just run on you. We are going to, it, it travels. I said yesterday on the show, I think, or maybe it was Monday when I was talking with you and we've talked off the air, I really, really thoroughly enjoy watching Michigan play football right now because for a long time, Harbaugh would line up and attempt to play the game that he wanted to be true. He wanted it to play, but was incapable. Right, So they went through years of beating their head against the wall. You want to play this way like you did at Stanford, but your team isn't good enough. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have the right runners. Your tight ends aren't good enough. Stop trying to do that. Stop square peg, round hole. Stop doing that. But to his credit, and I think to Michigan's, and this this is the argument for patience, by the way, it applies to Mike Norvell and any other coach that you hire, He's like, "No, man, I ain't changing. We're running. We are going to become this. We will be at some point this thing that I envision. Just give me time." And he almost ran out of time. Had he not been a famous alum, he probably was out of time. His adherence to this would have cost him his job. But they the Michigan faithful, where else are we going to go? Where? We've tried. Where else are we going? Let's just keep him here. We're getting we're making marginal progress. It'll click. It'll click. Well, it is now. And they do the stuff they did at Stanford. They'll roll three tight ends out there. They have an extra offensive lineman, and here's a whole bunch of, hey, everybody, we're running right, and you can't do a damn thing about it. Get you some. And I love watching that. That's old school football.
1: What sucks is I think we had a little bit of that in our base offense if it wasn't for injuries. I think that was, gonna in was going to be the offense this year. I agree. Yeah.
0: That's why I'm saying, now, look, we're not going to try to emulate everything in Michigan. No, 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 it's game out of the gun. I mean, a, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not we're not talking about that. But I am talking about a mentality and establishing a way, a modus operandi, or the way you go about your business.
1: Look at the evolution of what you've seen just this year. So to start the season, there was a lot of similarities between last year's rushing offense and this year's or and this year's first game. Mm-hmm. And the LSU game is what I'm looking at. So there's a lot of that counter stuff and then off of that you've got endarounds yep. or read options mm-hmm. and then a true like our triple option kind of thing where Jordan can keep it or throw it out to the bubble, right? And you're and you're kind of basing it off of that kind of look. Now, they're running outside zone. I questioned it against NC State. I thought that was odd that they kept on trying to hammer the wall, hit their head against the wall with that in the second half. What happened to our bread and butter? Well, then they ran it on Clemson and they were extremely success- successful. And they've continued to be successful with that element of the running game. So now you got two things that you're good at. You can run the counter and you can run the outside zone. You know what's next is the basic stuff that Gus ran at at Auburn and and that kind of offensive family runs, which is it's got a physical nature to it. But on first and ten, it's right at you. Second and seven, and now you're playing with tempo, yep. and who yeah, knows yeah. what's you're coming You're winning next. first down, and you can right. do that. You can play with speed. And then you can run the outside zone with the count. I mean, and now you don't know where to go. If you're a linebacker or a safety or slot defender, you're like, holy crap, you're I don't know what to do. And, yeah. and then there's a guy right behind you. Well, it's a seam pass for a big game.
0: And we've hit the seam this year very well. We've actually, in the passing game, been able to hit the seam with our tight ends. So the, the one thing I'll say is now imagine, and this is where you get excited and where the opportunity presents itself. They have been very cautious with Jordan Travis, extremely cautious. Now, I think they got spooked when he got hurt against Louisville. I think they were like, oh, man, okay, now we we survived it tonight. Good job, Tate, good on you. Good to see that you were capable in those moments. But we don't want to face life without that guy right now. And there's so much more we can do to attack defenses when he's present. It changes what defenses are allowed to do. It changes the running game in particular. Can we get in the second half of the season, into the second half of the season with enough wins and enough momentum and enough health to really make a run? And this is where we came out of the Clemson game, and I said, here you go. We're getting healthier. Guys are coming back. We've got a bye game. Jordan Travis is another week down the road healthy. All right. Let's buckle up. It's time to bust some ass. Now it's everybody in. I don't have time to worry about you anymore. These remaining games, I'm running you if I have to. Now, listen, Georgia Tech, you didn't have to, so don't do right, it. Right. And you don't have to do it probably against Louisiana Lafayette. But I dare say it's the training wheels, for lack of a better term, are off on the offense now. And, and that's not the right way to phrase it, meaning it, they weren't scared of him not understanding. It was they don't want him to get hurt. But the red zone will be more efficient, A, if you believe Fitzy's going to make kicks again, and and you believe Jordan is now part of the solution, play calling wise, with his legs in the red zone. And I think they will do that.
1: Well, and they did against Clemson. So, you know, that's the thing. It tells you to, they'll to, do it. Yes, that it's in there. It's, it's not coming from Jordan per se, for example, right? You know, it, this is something that they've decided collectively that they don't need to do until they need to do it. Sounds like a Yogi Berra ism. But that was the frustrating thing from a prize-pick standpoint last week when I wanted to pick Jordan to go over on on the rushing total. didn't bother. Well, because there's a 60-yard touchdown in there where he's untouched if you want it at some point. I'm not saying specifically I've got a moment in that, but that's just they're going to give it up. We don't need that. We don't need that this week was clearly the message. The question is, because Miami does give it up as well to the quarterback, whether it was – Middle Tennessee and that ragtag offensive line, which from a pro football-focused standpoint graded out, you know their pass grade was under 20. I mean, that's like some stuff you saw from Willie's first year here on the mm, offensive mm, line, and yet mm. they hit those bombs.
0: Yeah, good point, by the way. I want a TPE good call. Uh, yeah, it governors, you turn, you're taking off the governor, yeah.
1: Yeah. We yep. all have had the golf cart.
0: Or, or the U-Haul. Yep. And now I've got a U-Haul that goes 80. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're taking off the governor. Let him go. Let him go.
1: Miami will give that up as well. They have consistently this season. But I wonder if they don't probe it early and say, do we have to have it? Do we need Jordan here? Do they go for two or three drives and say, unless we get into an obvious situation that beckons that you have to use Jordan's legs yeah. as a threat, do we actually need it? You're or, talking this weekend? This weekend, Well, yeah. they
0: may be able to be in a position not to have to use him. What I'm saying is they, they won't be so uh, reticent. They, w- they will say, yeah, hey, let's go. We can use him here if we need it in the red zone. Maybe not between the twenties, even though
1: you could. Right, right.
0: But in the red zone, if they're if they're getting stoned again, and they will, <laughs> they, they will, then it's time to say, all right, well, Jordan, I'm gonna have to run you here, man. I'm gonna have to run you here. So let's buck up, soldier. Get this ball in the end zone. I I think you just roll. I think you can put him in a position where he doesn't have to get hit. You just he has to be a threat. So you can roll him out and let him throw the ball like the one we dropped on fourth down. That's right in the hands.
1: It was? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. It reminded me of the Johnny throw against NC State on fourth down, which is, is it a perfect throw? No. But is it more than adequate? Yes. Oh, it's, it's more than adequate. It's,
0: it's it At this level of football, we catch that. We we, ca- yeah. we, we catch that. Well, one
1: and you know what? Yeah. Preston Daniel did the next time on fourth down. That was not a great throw. No. But you know what? 45 actually came down with it. One of the plays of the game. Along with a third and 10 conversion at 24 to 10 in the ball game, or third and long, whatever it was, but at twenty-four to ten, opening kickoff, onside mm. kick, they go down, they score. We're in third and long, and we're pinned down deep in our own territory. But don't, we convert is what we do. Don't have those moments against Miami, though. No, That's it, all I'm I mean, saying. You're gonna
0: probably have some, but I mean, you know, I, I get what you're saying. If yeah, you're don't, out don't playing them to that degree, don't do yeah, this. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. That don't was give them a reason to believe. It's it. well, it, this is a much better team than the other one I'm about to mention. But four years ago, you remember, third and don't turn it over.
0: Oh well, don't we don't need to bring this up. I was there. That is, don't drop him back. What do you do? You dropped him Oh, he's dead. There it is. And he fumbled. Guess what? We're gonna lose. I could, Matt Britton, who I was at the game with, will be able to tell you before it happened. I turned to him and said, if they drop him back, he's gonna get hit and fumble. It was like slow motion. Here we look it's happening. Uh, it's happening. Oh, man, I'm still pissed about it. Uh, Very quickly, if you're thinking about solar panels at your house or your business, don't forget to think about the condition of your roof first before you sign a solar panel contract. Make sure you call my friend T-Spark, T-Spark Enterprises, to come out and inspect your roof. The last thing you want to do is have to pay, you know, an additional $10,000 just to remove your newly installed panels to get the new roof put on and then go back and do it all over again. We don't want all that. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that. So have them come out, take a good look at it, make sure everything's good to go. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, T-Spark continues to be the best in the business. Give them a call today, 766-1340. Get a free quote today, tsparkconstruction.com. Today's show made me feel even better. I know we still got a half an hour, but I'm just letting you know I still feel good. I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. Feeling good. oh, hitting the mic right there, hitting the mic. Everybody feel good.
1: Did you static it? Yeah, I did. was shifting the headphones. Yeah, I got lucky that. You on got that got one. Lucky,
0: it's loud, man. It's loud. It's like
1: clicking the empty square on the minesweeper.
0: <laughs> Speaking of uh, the minesweeper, I love when you play Stratego, and you get to go boom when somebody hits the bomb. I've never played it. You've never played Stratego? No, it's a great game. Anyhow, in Stratego, you can set out mines in your battlefield there as they're advancing forward. Oh, cool! Yeah. And unless it's a miner, like somebody who's able to sweep those without uh, blowing themselves up, I think that oh, sweeper, a scout, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. think it's like eight. I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a minute, but anyhow, you get those guys. Um, unless it's one of those, you just say when they touch on your on your little figure there, you go boom. Dude just got blown to hell. Give me that guy. Get you some of that.
1: I got sent to timeout when I was seven years old. We were playing spades downstairs. Oh, good my, game. I oh, used it's to play spades game.
0: with the fellas back in the day, yeah.
1: My dad hated the chatter. He'd say, no kibitzing. Let's go. Let's play. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I got—I didn't say anything bad, but I scared my family because I, I used a term from NBA Jam. I go, Tomahawk Jam, and I screamed it. <laughs> and my mom was napping, and my family was, yeah, so I got sent to my room. I used to play NBA jams with
0: a buddy of mine for hours on end. We would go to this little arcade. Back when arcades were a thing, they were everywhere. Miss them dearly. Used to go there, and we would just, I mean, I think the kids hated us. We would own that machine for three hours. Sorry. Sorry. We're going to be here a minute. We would go best four out of seven. We'd play entire series with teams. All right, all right, this time around
1: it's the Eastern Conference Finals and we're <laughs> Well, the era was perfect when I was growing up for that game because you you had duos and trios. You still I
0: mean, kind of do across the super 10 teams, teams,
1: 12 teams. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you had so many. The Eastern Conference had about 6 of them. Yeah. I mean, even though the Hornets weren't any good, you had Grandma Ma and you had Alonzo Mourning for a minute there. And then you had Smits and Reggie Miller and I mean, you go Oh, I mean, you could go team was down the line. so much
0: fun. Yeah, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Right. Oh, with Seattle, that was
1: that was fun, yeah. Drexler and Akeem, Stockton and Malone, Ewing and Starks. Drexler was a lot of fun. They always gave him a little extra,
0: a little what for? And, and once somebody got on fire, you're like, "Oh no, somebody's on fire! This is not good. I'm screwed." Yeah, I always, I always love that. But I also love that game because you could just push people down and take the ball. That was part of it. Just like, get you some.
1: The precursor <laughs> to NFL blitz. Yeah,
0: yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, no, so I do think there is one aspect of this game uh, that I guess I'm worried about, and that is the effect it has on this team. You and I were talking off the air. So you beat, let's say you beat, uh, obviously, Miami here, and you uh, rub salt into the wound of a season. Oh, it's man. a Beautiful thing. He's looking ahead,
1: folks. Look out. How about that?
0: Are you ready? Can you handle the emotional fallout from a big win on the road against a rival, a statement game, and now you got to go up to the Carrier Dome against Syracuse and be ready to go?
1: This is next-level trolling. <laughs> you say, are you mature enough to handle <laughs> after a blowout of Miami yeah, going just, up to the former I, Carrier it's Dome?
0: It's just I'm thinking out loud a little bit. This you is, know, I was just
1: thinking when you – we're not going to capture the part where I call attention to it. We're just going to look at that part. Are you
0: just going to troll that way? Yeah. No, it's just, it's. I've thought about it. You know, gosh, you go down there, you beat a team that's uh, not equipped to compete, and you take care of business against an overwhelmed bunch, still trying to find their way in the darkness. Lost, maybe not bought in. Doesn't feel like mommy's bought into Crystal Ball and his conservative nature and some of the things that he's tried to teach them. And so you you go ahead and add to their woes. You win that game, and now you got to go play a, a more disciplined, better program in Syracuse on the road. And so you know, let's see if you can bounce right back from a big win, you know, from a from a, a lopsided affair.
1: <laughs> if I'm going to indulge in this conversation, which uh, sure, why not? The 8 p.m. kick actually helps you in that regard. There would be nothing worse for complacency. Or fostering complacency, as we've seen this past weekend, or sloppiness. Then a noon kickoff in the former Carrier Dome. Are you kidding? Like I'd, I'd actually in that, it'll rather the night play yeah. the night game. You get a little bit more time to understand the gravity of things. Otherwise, you're just listless, and you can't have. I mean, you just can't have it. You can't have a quarter like this past first quarter sloppiness left and right. You got throws to the wrong shoulder. You got drops. You've got the offensive line look like they're not you know awake yet. You got red zone issues defensively. You're okay, but there are a couple things that a better offense would take advantage of. So, I don't want that nooner at Syracuse. I know it's gonna we're gonna be up till two thirty in the morning on the post game show. It's okay. I'd rather have the eight pm kick. It's better for. Well, us. Well,
0: apparently every FSU game is now a night game outside of this last one. Uh, like the depth to which the opponent has to suffer before you get a noon game around here uh, is something. I mean, it took. Uh, a bereft of Hope Georgia Tech program for them to go, okay, slap that one at noon.
1: Right. Yeah, breaking news, Louisiana, Florida State, 11 p.m., ACC Network. <laughs> ACC after dark.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not going to complain, man. If you're in a position to win games and you and you do, you play them whenever, man. I Just start getting excited again. Maybe it's, it's a way of – we talk about toughening your body in camp, you know, like boxers do in training. This is us getting prepared to matter every week for next year and the year after, the seasons in which we're celebrating our return to an elite neighborhood. It's what happened. Parties are at night, Tom. They're not in the morning a lot of times. They are nighttime events. And in our new neighborhood, this is when our neighbors decide they want to have parties.
1: How's it go? The nighttime is the right time? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and there was a time, obviously, when the younger versions of ourselves would be like, there's... There should never be a noon game. Every game should be at night. That's many moons ago that we believed that. Now I understand when all the old people were like, what? But it's also because I think the other problem is it's, it's not just the work that we have to do and what that means, and I'm not complaining. It's just that that's the reality of the job. But also because we love college football and you want to see other college football games.
1: More so now, Like even, even when we were bad... I didn't like the sport as much when we were terrible. <laughs> and the COVID year, the product was just awful. 2020, it didn't matter what game you turned on. I think I could kind of one-hand the amount of good football games. That's One of them, true. incidentally, was AM auburn I remember that game because I thought, oh. A good football game this, is broken out. This looks like a, a, an actually good mm, football game. Yeah, right, right, but right. as we get better, I want to see how we compare to the other teams that are ranked in the top 15. Like I'm excited to go take a look at these other squads that are around 12 to 17 in the country and say – Are they actually better than we are? Because I don't think they are. Did
0: you watch the sham last night to have fun? No. You didn't watch the sham? No. I kind of had fun just watching a bit of the sham, uh, the made-for-TV event last night. Uh just because I always like to find the glaring mistake where that poor bastard has to come on and try to make excuses for why it is.
1: It's not a mistake. It's a plan so they could have a talking point for the next one. Uh,
0: of course, of course. But even amongst the planned talking points, there are those moments where they're like, Man, we really have to suspend all form of logic if we have LSU at number ten. I mean, how 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 is that possible that we have LSU at number ten?
1: I would hit the recruiting circuit with we have a top ten win in their state this year. That's yeah. what we have at Florida State. I mean,
0: like, the second you see that, you're like, really? So there's a three-loss Texas team ranked. It's <laughs> like, you could go on and on. Like, there were any number of things. What are we doing here? But I get that it's it's so much easier when you know it's made for TV, and that that's its whole thing. But it's it's been pretty funny. Um, I don't know. I laughed uh, a little bit when I saw the uh, comments right afterwards. People get up in arms, and you're like, "Well, don't do that, guys. Don't don't feed into it. You know it's silliness. You know that it doesn't matter for any reason."
1: Um, it's the Maury Povich show of sports. Ridiculous. Yeah. Are you the fourth team? You are the fourth team. No, TCU <laughs> should be fourth.
0: <laughs> Uh, FSU has all losses by 10 or less. All the ranked teams also have a win over number 10 LSU. That's right, a top-10 win. Uh, top-10 win. Uh, Texas has three losses, their best wins against Oklahoma, two losses against ranked teams, all losses by 10 or less. So, obviously, we have the better resume. It's not close, and we're not ranked than they are. So... You could do that through the whole thing. Don't I, you do it. <laughs> I, I actually think it's more interesting to do it when you get further down, the, not the top four or five. Like, Also, I would tell you there's no way Clemson should be in the top four.
1: Don't do it. <laughs> I'm, Don't trying to,
0: I'm, I'm trying to get you there. I'm no, trying to go. The only
1: thing I care about is what we can do to brag on recruiting. And so if we're ranked, that's better for us in recruiting. But I'm not going to sit here and, and compare resumes between us and other squads and say, oh, well, why are we being held out? Because it's, it's a television product. They don't, I mean, this doesn't do anything, except it gives a platform to fine and Heather Dinich to argue with Mike Greenberg on Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning I think on they Get don't they do that anymore, do they? I think, I'm pretty sure they do. Do they do that? Yeah.
0: How does Heather Dinich have a job? It's just something. Chef Cameron, Chef 93.3 Real Talk Radio, right War Chant TV. Have you allowed yourself, I know we don't like to do sneak peeks since uh, I tried to bait you a moment ago, but have you allowed yourself to think about uh, potential for, uh, for bowl matchups, bowl games? We are at the time of year where I start to look at some of that
1: Completely stuff. different conversation. Yeah, Love that it. you'll do. Love yeah, it.
0: Yeah, that you'll do. Because um, there's a lot of
1: decent destinations and a couple of home run destinations for us.
0: Yeah, and right with the games that are still to be played, we we are really going to determine our own future, right? I mean, this is if you win all these games, you could be in a very very big bowl. You you have a chance to play. Uh, I know a lot of our fans would want us to play like New Year's Eve at the Gator Bowl or something like that. You could uh, even
1: maybe slot. I don't know what the you know. I never look at the college football playoff tie ins because we're never in it. Mm. But uh, maybe the orange. This is not an Orange Bowl semifinal year if Clemson goes. Would there be a slot open for us in, in that particular circumstance? Uh, that'd
0: be cool. Clemson ain't going anywhere. they got a couple of losses coming. Down. I would
1: actually be, you know, that'd be great for the program. I would be disappointed. Oh, buddy. I would be disappointed. Oh, I'd go down there and have fun. You would, because you've got Los Tacos.
0: I've got, hey, man, don't be talking that. We don't need everybody else Los Tacos. Well, I'm just speaking generically. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> you've got the tacos. Those
0: people find their own place, man. Yeah. Um. So, yes, I have this alleged taco joint I like. <laughs> And uh, some other areas that I like, like to jo- enjoy when I'm down there. If you could choose between the Pinstripe, ooh,
1: the what about the
0: Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl?
1: No, I don't want to go to there. What no. about the
0: Duke's Mayo Bowl?
1: That is in Charlotte, right?
0: Yeah, we we're always or in or the
1: Holiday Bowl out in San Diego.
0: Oh, I'm I'm down with. it I don't think it's called the Holiday. Is it? It is the uh, San Diego State Credit Union Holiday Bowl. That is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right. Welcome back. Oh, I'm I'm going. I'm
1: going. That's an expensive bowl, but I think it's – Gene's got us.
0: Let's (laughs) roll on. Hey, somebody's got to cover this thing. Bill
1: from CP has got us. He said he wants to go on on a roadie with us to a bowl game. So it could be – God bless
0: the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill on Appalachee Parkway. Bill will be there covering and giving insight to uh, what it is to play in the San Diego Credit Union Holiday Bowl. I believe that takes place on December 28th, and if we were to go to said bowl game out in San Diego, great city that it is, we would be forced, I would think, you wouldn't want to hasten a trip back for New Year's. You'd have to stay out in San Diego for New Year's, yeah, perhaps. You might you might have to do it to really take it all in.
1: Now, I've got in-law family in y- San Diego. Y- you mentioned the pinstripe bowl.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Was that the 30th? Uh, December twenty ninth. Oh, okay. December twenty ninth is right. the pinstripe bowl. Oh. I am in on the pinstripe bowl. Man. Let's go. Let's go. I-, I want us to make the best bowl possible. So like win all the games, and if it means we end up having to stay somewhere nearby and go to the stupid Gator Bowl, then so be it. I'll traverse over that sorry ass Gator Bowl again. Been there a million times.
1: But I would prefer Little Manhattan. Action for yeah, per- yeah, yeah, I think I do. I, I don't mind if I do. Might even be tempted to go up early for Christmas. Why not?
0: Well, that's a lot of days. That's a lot of sure days. Is. But uh, you're in a better position to be able to do that. My 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 kids might be like, well, "Dad, I'd like to see you during the holidays." <laughs> that's kind of a toughy.
1: I might have a tie-in too, where I can yeah, rest you, my head yeah, and can. not spend six hundred dollars a night. Studio yeah, hotel. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Uh, where is the? You said uh, where, where is the, the Sun Bowl? Is that out in Phoenix? Is that out in Scottsdale? Is it Tempe? No, where is the Sun?
1: Bowl? The Sun Bowl is no is in it's El, Paso. Uh, El Paso. Oh which, Jesus!
0: Yeah, I don't want to. Go but right everybody there. loved it. Yeah, they're all lying. They're wrong. No. I've been. They're all wrong. Period. I've been to El Paso. They're wrong. Stop it. There's no. I'm not saying this as somebody who's never been to El Paso. I have been to El Paso. I'm telling you, no, Tom. Just trust me on this. You tend to trust my view of these cities. I surprised you.
1: Yeah, uh, Birmingham. Yeah. You got me.
0: Yeah, it's a good city. Birmingham is a good city. It, it is. I'm telling Stunned. you. Stunned. You know what's not? El Paso. Just trust me on this. No cause to be riding out to El Paso. It's starting to
1: sound like other time slots around here.
0: No, I'm just letting you know. It's it, No. Is there beauty? Yes, are there moments where you look around and say, this is stunning? But not enough to carry the day. Not enough for you to be like, we should stay longer. No, no. No, no, no.
1: I just want an honest-to-goodness roadie, you know? That's a yeah. little road trip action. I actually drove to El Paso. Ooh, well, on my
0: way to Tempe.
1: That probably affected your view of El Paso a little bit, though. I'm glad,
0: I'm glad I made the trip. Uh, that's when we lost to Tennessee in the national championship game. I went with my buddy Todd Van Dyke in a Ford F-150, just the two of us, driving all the way from Tallahassee to Dempey, Arizona. That's quite the trip. Stopped in Fort Stockton, Texas. That was also quite a place. My goodness, bless any of you military men and women that have ever been stationed in Fort Stockton,
1: Texas. I always How you ho-
0: didn't shoot yourself, I don't know.
1: Man, I've heard this story a few times, and I always wish it was Fort Hancock because of uh, <laughs> Shawshank. He's getting a bus to Fort Hancock, Texas, please.
0: Um, Ricky, you were in Fort Stockton or El Paso? Whichever one. Ain't nothing in El Paso is right, Ricky.
1: Yeah. there. Ain't, I'm sure they have mini
0: golf. Come on. They do in Fort Stockton, by the It'll way. I, did, I actually made note of that. I was did like, you? look at this little mini golf course. All right. Yeah, that'll last you an hour. Not I mean, if you, you got... gamble on it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not if you well, gamble on it.
0: You'd have to gamble on like walking down the street in Fort Stockton to make life interesting. You would be so I'll put a 20 upset. 20
1: in the bottom of the cup I, on a I random do, hole. You just I remember don't know.
0: This hotel we stayed in, this is hilarious. I, before I die... Uh, I need to go back to this hotel, if it's still there. I can't imagine it is. I At the time that we went, I, I didn't In El Paso? Have, no, in Fort Stockton, okay. Texas. I didn't have any money. Uh, I hadn't made it yet. <laughs> and so I had no money. We, we were just getting by. You
1: do the dishes to pay your way?
0: I mean, no, no, no. I mean, I was able to pay for the hotel oh. and all that. But I'm saying, like, we couldn't really- stay in nice places we couldn't go hence the reason we were driving to freaking tempe like you, you would steal never do from that from
1: the arcade machine I in did, order to I pay for no, your room. i did
0: not mm. i i would not want the locals after me in fort stockton texas so i i'm telling you now uh i remember when we we stayed at this hotel <laughs> and i remember saying to my buddy i was like you're going to remember this. We are always going to remember that we stayed here if we live. If we survive tonight and make it out of here, we're always going to look back and smile. The pictures from that time are hilarious when I go back and look at them. Just broke-ass me, just just surviving. Just You're just getting by, Tom. You're just on your way to this place, this beleaguered, I got to get there.
1: Do you know the name of it? The hotel? Yeah. No. Okay. Remember the road it was on? There's a
0: roadrunner, a giant roadrunner. Uh, and he's huge. Like, right when you get into Fort Stockton, I remember they have a roadrunner because there's actual roadrunners out there. You see the tumbleweeds. You do the whole thing. Tumbleweeds. Coyotes. Ghosts of Texas lawmen. It's just a bizarre, it's it's crazy. All right. Look
1: at that roadrunner.
0: You see it in Fort Stockton? Or are you just looking at a roadrunner?
1: Is that really his name? Paisano Pete? Come on now. Yes. Paisano Pete. Yes. Built in 1979.
0: Yes, you're looking at it. That's it. I told you. There's the giant roadrunner. You think I'm making this up? I drove right past that. Just the name. (laughs) I drove (laughs) right in Fort Stockton. Guys, I drove and took a picture with that thing. There's a picture of a younger version of me. Tattered jeans and a t-shirt. Freezing, by the way, when we were there. It was freezing. I was not dressed for the occasion. Couldn't afford a jacket.
1: It's across the street from Mingo's Burritos.
0: Eight at Mingo's Burritos. Did you? I ate at a Mexican restaurant there, if that's the one. Find out what year it was established. If it was there in nineteen ninety-eight or whatever that was, yes, I was. It's also
1: on the Google Maps is the historic Fort Stockton sign.
0: Look, do you see the desperation in that photo? Do you see when you look out there, all that open nothingness? Just look off in the distance away from the uh, Roadrunner and see the desperation, the sadness in the heart. Look at that.
1: Was it the uh, deluxe inn that you stayed at? Uh, look
0: Look at that. Are you looking at that? I mean, my God. Look at that. Just screams, God help us. What have we done? All the decisions we've made in our life have led to this moment where we are here.
1: Photo credit, Brian Ford.
0: Let's come back and wrap it up momentarily. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chan TV. Wrapping it up on the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Congratulations to the Phillies. Dropping dongs left and right last night. Man, it was a dong festival. Ooh. I uh, I cracked up laughing, huh? Just every time you looked up, oh, look at that, another dong. The Phillies, uh, my what ver- is this, Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> Too many of these. Uh, if you want to, uh, I, will, I will say a few words about our friends at Tulula, whom I enjoy thoroughly. Uh, and I actually am going to get me a juice today from Tulula. Can't float today. Can't, uh, can't do the pod. Um, but I... <laughs> there's the floating guy. <laughs> when I went out to San Francisco and the surrounding areas, Tom, you see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're adorable. They look just... I mean, they're unbelievable. Look at them.
1: I just want to float down a lazy river with 10 of those guys.
0: You're like, hey, guys, let's just enjoy. Uh, The Dong Festival that occurred last night was uh, fun to watch, and even more fun is to listen to pitchers who know what they're talking about describe how these things work. John Smoltz is fantastic at his job, and I would also note... That Pedro Martinez is fantastic at his job. And when the two of those guys are breaking down, whether it's in game, after game, online, why things are happening, and first guessing them, it's so good. Smoltz is talking about Bryce Harper sitting on a slider. You'd be surprised if he's not sitting on a slider. Next thing you know, a slider's throwing the balls in the seats. It's just that's the mind of a pitcher, an elite one at that, knowing how a hitter's thinking. That is so cool to see that reversed like that.
1: I agree. I think they could use a third man in the booth to handle a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. for John. Mm-hmm. But if he keeps it to that, you know, the the back and forth, the chess match on the mound and in the batter's box, then you've got the best of all worlds. That's
0: all I want him for yeah. is the chess match. Just yeah. talk to me about pitcher hitter, batter pitcher interface. Give me what's happening here. What's happening with why they're calling what they're calling, what what you would do because you would go down that road when you watch these guys and it's like, all right, he knows I'm sitting on off speed. So as a pitcher, you know, do do I do I throw fastball in? And as a hitter, do I run counter to my approach here? If he thinks that I'm thinking fastball, I mean slider away, then should I sit in? You know, all that stuff is fascinating. When to go away from the report. That you could watch that for hours. I'd, I'd watch a broadcast feed with a Smoltz type or a Pedro type, where all you get is batter pitcher discussion. Where you have a hitter, somebody, somebody like Edgar Martinez, who was a great hitter, could hit the all fields. Somebody like that, the approach, you know, if Tony Gwynn were still alive, somebody like that, you know, where Smoltz could talk about what he's thinking in the situation, Gwynn. and the hitter, oh, and the man. hitter would talk about what he's thinking in the situation. Right? How great would that be? Tony
1: Gwynn would be perfect for that.
0: Well, I mean, just. Because you
1: need it, you need somebody who hit multiple so different all fields ways. And could, yes, yes. yes. Yeah.
0: I would watch a show like that. What, what is he thinking here? Why? What? Are, what would you do different here? Okay, so he got you out on fastball up last time. What's your approach this time? You know that kind of stuff. I, I would love that. Tulua, by the way, CBD, mushrooms, THC, juice, floating in the pod. Three locations in town. Good times. I've done the floating. It works. Muscles relax. You get to go to places that, uh, man, it's good for you. Breathing, all of it. Matchup. Cue it up.
1: It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, Probables? For the Astros,
0: pretty important game. Christian Javier. For the Phillies, Aaron Nola. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. And you can cue the music, baby. Wake Up War Chant tonight, 6.30. 6 o'clock. What am I talking about? 6 o'clock. Wake Up War Chant. Make sure you tune in. Good job, Tom. Good job, Director Matthew. And thank you, Leonard Hamilton. Be well, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.